the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We've got a very special guest joining us today in studio. In fact, no stranger to KFAX listeners as he hosts Graceful Truth, heard Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. He's the senior pastor of Grace Bible Church of Redwood City, Pastor Stephen Converse. Pastor, welcome to the program. Good to be here, Greg. Let's get some of the basics out of the way. First, a bit of your own story. You are not a native to the Bay Area. In fact, your your roots are clear back in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I grew up in, uh, was born and raised in a small little town, Montoursville, Pennsylvania, outside of Whamsport, Pennsylvania, which is known for the Little League World Series. Ah. So that's about all it's known for. Is it but, coal country? You're, you're part of the uh, neighborhood? Uh, gold country? Coal. Oh, coal country. Uh, no, now it's more the fracking. They're doing that now. Uh, but uh, a lot of the coal goes goes on down Pottsville, d- different areas. But um, up in our area, it's, it's north northeastern PA. And I um, grew up in a uh, large family there, large Catholic family. I had uh, six brothers, two sisters. I was the baby. And... Uh, my oldest brother was 25 years older than I am, so we had a big... Big spread there. Yes, yeah. Mother was busy <laughs> raising all these well, kids. Good, good Roman Catholics, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, my dad was Methodist, and he stuck to his faith, but we were all raised in the Roman Catholic Church, and uh, for 19 years of my life, that's that was my faith, and uh, uh, grew up in a wonderful home. Uh, my dad was a medical doctor, and so... Um, we had a, a good-sized piece of property and uh, always had – we were out in the woods and playing and, and doing different things. But uh, my mother passed away when I was just three of uh, lung cancer, and my dad passed away when I was seven. So I grew up in this home uh, raised pretty much by my oldest brother and his wife, and uh, my nephews and nieces were actually probably closer to me age-wise than my – own brothers and sisters, so it's kind of a different situation. But um, maybe that age gap, God had some wisdom in there. Yes, yeah, in knowing well, I, that mom and dad will be taken from you so young. Yeah, yeah. My my next, the next one up for me is six years removed. It's a sister, but I understand my mother had uh, three other children <laughs> between my sister and I, and uh, unfortunately they they passed away. Losing mom and dad like that, particularly for yourself as the baby of the family, uh, you mentioned three when mom passed, seven mm-hmm. when dad. You, yes. you probably don't have really strong memories of either of them. No, I don't. Um, and I, I also lost a brother that I was very close to. I was actually getting ready to move over. He was in the Air Force at the time over in Germany. He was a dentist, and I was going to go live with him during my high school years, and he passed away suddenly in, in an automobile accident. And, uh, you know, I didn't really notice the impact of kind of all this death <laughs> until uh, I actually uh, met my wife and uh, started a relationship. And and it was into our marriage that um, I realized that, wow, I, I have a lot of walls up. You know, it's hard to me to be close to people. And I never really understood that. And I'll never forget, 
I was talking to my brother, who's also a pastor back in Pennsylvania, one day on the phone, and this is right after I became a believer. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he said, well, I love you, Stevie. And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and we hung up. And next time we talked, he said the same thing. Hey, I love you. Yeah, I know. All right, later, you know. <laughs> and finally the third time he said uh, the same thing, you know, hey, I love you. And I said, yeah, okay, okay, you know. And I'm getting ready to hang up, and he goes, you can't say it, can you? And I said, what do you mean I can't say it? Can't say what? And he said, you, you can't tell me you love me. And I said, well, no, I can, sure. You, of course I love you. I mean, you're my brother. Why wouldn't you? Well, then say it. <laughs> and he kind of painted me into a corner. And then he kind of opened up and shared, you know, I, I've dealt with the same thing, that, that idea of people passing away close to you that you love. You know, you, you put walls up. That almost protective mechanism yes. kicks in that yes. that that's almost part of our, our human nature yes. that says I, I i immediately want to sort of curl up in the fetal position and protect myself right and i guess a lot of people from relationships husband and wives and siblings and family members say, well so-and-so seems to be distant or mm-hmm. they're 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 not really a people person we'll right. often hear that mm-hmm. is it indicative in your experience then that a lot of times it's not so much that an individual is not necessarily a people person as much as they have been hurt by people mm-hmm. or hurt by circumstances of people being taken from them, right. that after a while, those wounds, they hurt. Sure. So what do we do with a wound? Well, yeah. we want to stop it from bleeding. We want to protect it from the outside. So quick, let's bandage it. Let's cover it. And if we're embarrassed by it, let's hide it away. Right. It's for us a coping mechanism. But right. at the end of the day, it impacts not only our our relations on the horizontal plane, but I would imagine even vertically, too, with God, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, because you, you know, and it was after I, I, I became a Christian and really understood uh, more thoroughly uh, the God who loves us and cares for us and sticks by his word and will never leave us or forsake us. I mean, that really helped me a lot in my own, in my own ministry and my own relationships with people because I, I realized that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable with people. It's okay to get close to people and that yeah, people are going to die, and we all die on time, in my mind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think God has a plan for us. And, and so, you know, it, it helped me really accept that and and move on. And But it has, you know, affected, you know, I'm not, uh, people say often, you know, well, you're not much of a, a people person. And, and I've had to work to overcome that. You know, I remember when I first came to Grace Bible Church, you know, we had some dear older saints, ladies in our church that just loved to hug people. And, you know, I'd put my right hand. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're not going to hug me. Like, don't you get know? that close. <laughs> yeah, and I've learned over time, you know, yeah, yeah, you got to be okay with that, you know. I mean, and so um, it's, been a, it's been a process, but, but God has definitely uh, brought me through that and uh, really used that, that, that experience in my life to really be able to minister to people who are going through those things now. And interesting to note that you indicated at the get-go that, the immediate loss of first mom and then dad, while it didn't, it impacted you certainly, mm-hmm. but there was not a, a mental acknowledgement no. of that impact early on. And yet, in spite of that, it nevertheless had an impact on your life. Yes. Is that true for a lot of people that sometimes we go through experiences in life that we kind of shrug off or we don't fully take account of? And yet later on in life, we discover, wow, that thing that happened way back then, mm-hmm. what that person said to me or what happened in that relationship falling apart has left an indelible negative wound on my life that I'm now carrying with me and is sort of 
impacting or colorizing all of my relationships moving forward? Right. And, and I think that part of our, you know, at least in my experience, when I came to Christ, you know, he is able to, to heal those hurts. He's able to, able to heal those pains. He's able to give you the grace uh, through the power of the Spirit to, to open up and, and, and to understand, you know, your life experience. There's a purpose for that. It's not a mistake. God, God allowed those things to happen in my life for a purpose, and it's, it's to make me, you know, a stronger believer today, to allow me to be able to minister to people who are going through that same kind of hurt. You know, I remember as a youth pastor, as a single youth pastor before I was married, I didn't get married uh, till I was 33. So I had been a, a youth pastor for several years. And I remember I used to talk to parents and counsel parents about how to raise their children. I had no idea what I was talking about because I had no children. I wasn't even in a, in a relationship. And, um, you know, I remember getting on parents, you know, the way they would deal with their kids and thinking, wow, okay, you know, I would never do that. And then, lo and behold, when I got married, my wife already had a child from a previous marriage. And so she was 13 when we got married. So I was thrown right into, you know, oh, having a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> yes. And, and she was wonderful, don't get me wrong. But, but at the same time, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot to adjust there. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe I was so hard on parents. You know, and I had no business doing that. And so sometimes when we go through things in our lives, um, we don't even know what we're going through. I was so young when I lost my mom. I, you know, I just remember being at the neighbor's house um, enjoying lunch, and all my family went somewhere else. Well, they went to the funeral, but they didn't want me to go for some reason. So I was at the neighbor's house. And when my dad passed away, I was a little older, so I remember that a little bit better. But even then, it didn't really have an impact on me at the time because I was surrounded by, you know, Six brothers, two sisters, their their kids, and and it was just like life went on. To a degree, you almost, because of your age, didn't know anything different. Right, exactly. And so it wasn't until really, you know, I got married that I realized, wow, okay, I do have walls up. And, you know, having walls up is not a good thing for any marriage. And so, um, you know, as we, you know, grew closer together as a couple and I began to realize, wow, you know, this is something that I need to address. And, it, you know, I didn't go to any necessarily any counseling or anything but god just kind of reinforced his love for me and his care for me and it allowed me to become more vulnerable with people and and more transparent you know i don't have to you know kind of do the dance to get the hug from god he accepts me accepts me for who who i am in christ and that was just a, a wonderful truth that that really allowed me to open up and be able to freely minister to, to people and and also to accept ministry from other people. And I think this is one thing that's lacking in our churches today is authenticity and transparency. You know, we paste the little smile on our face, and, you know, we walk into church, how was your week? Oh, everything was fine. When we've just been fighting with our spouse for a half hour trying to get the kids ready and rush them to church, you know. And, and I'm always focusing our, our people back to being transparent as the body of Christ. You know, it's okay to come in here and say, you know what, I had a horrible week. And I need your prayers. Our church isn't a, a large church. There's 60 to 100 people on a Sunday morning. But there's an intimacy there, you know. So there's, there's relationships that are built. There's, there's time of fellowship that's spent together, you know. Uh, we have usually about an hour and a half Sunday morning service. ends about 1130, and then we have a, a full meal over in the fellowship hall. And so we encourage people to go over there and, and just get to know each other. 
And it's during those times, hopefully, those walls of that we put up come down and we can begin to understand each other a little bit better and do what the New Testament calls us to do, right, as the church. We don't have to get cleaned up <laughs> to take the bath. You know, we don't have to do the dance to get the hug from God. He, he in his sovereign plan, for whatever reason, he has set his love upon me. And, and he saw and purposed that, that I would come to him as one of his children and repent of my sins and, and be saved. And so when you step back and you look at that, you realize that, wow, God has this plan that is in eternity past. God isn't up in heaven reacting to what we're doing here on earth. He knows the beginning from the end because he's omniscient, you know. And then the other aspect of, of, of God's attributes, that he's everywhere all the time, you know. And, and that's something that I was kind of, uh, that was new to me as I went through my, my Christian growth and, and understanding and learning because I always envisioned hell as a place that's void of God. But you know what? When you stop and think about it, who do you think is supplying the wrath for hell? Those people who will be in hell one day will be under the wrath of who? God. So in the form of his wrath, he's very present there. And so when you stop and you think about that, I think the question of our lack of transparency with God, does it come out of a misunderstanding of who God is? I would say yes. And I think that's one aspect of of teaching that unfortunately a lot of, of Christians are lacking in. You know, they know that God, that Jesus went to the cross. They know that he died. They know that he saved him. But they don't know anything more about God. Well, and there's an interesting dichotomy that this raises that I want to have you touch on when we come back to more of the conversation. Because oftentimes in our flesh, in our sin nature, we, we are trying to fathom or understand God in a fashion. And yet there are limitations because he is infinite. We are finite, and in the finiteness of our understanding, sometimes we we mischaracterize who God really is. We're going to pause on that point. Pastor Stephen Converse today in studio with us. He, of course, is senior pastor at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Tell you a bit more about his ministry coming up a little bit later on as our conversation continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the conversation. In studio today, Pastor Stephen Converse, senior pastor at Grace Bible Church. By the way, his broadcast, Graceful Truth, is heard Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. We're getting a chance to get to know Pastor Converse a little bit better and sharing a little bit about, too, the the nature of God and sometimes the, the shortcomings that we have in our sin nature and our human nature to really understand God. And I mentioned about this dichotomy just before the break. Isn't it fascinating as we we struggle to get to know God, that here is a God who, while offended by our sin, what does the scripture say about the sin is like a stench Mm. in his nostrils. Mm. And yet, as much as God is offended by our sin, that same God reaches down and embraces us, sinful, broken in every aspect of what's wrong about mankind in our in our sin nature and the Adamic nature. He nevertheless reaches out and embraces us through Jesus Christ and says, "My work of my Son on the cross will cover your sin, so that even while you are yet sinners, we mentioned before, mm-hmm. He set His Son to die for us." Do we have a hard time sometimes? trying to relate to that? Well, God's offended by sin, and yet he loves me, a sinner? 
Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a hard it's a hard thing for people to understand that you know um, the the gospel itself is the good news that Christ came, He died, and that we have the opportunity to have that relationship with our Creator God through His sacrifice, through His work on the cross. But it, the gospel also contains the bad news that you know what you're a sinner and you need the grace of God. Uh, you know that's that's the the point you have to get to before the good news is really effective. You have to understand you have to understand that bad news. And I think that, you know, when we come to the idea of who God is and what he's provided for us, you know, I know, you know, myself growing up in a church where it's all about what you do. You know, I mean, you know, you you go to mass, you do this, you go to confession. I was an altar boy. I did all these things thinking that somehow that's earning my righteousness before God. And the more I do, the better. And yet when I was confronted with uh, Romans 3.23, you know, and that all have fallen short, all have sinned. Well, you know, the pastor that was sharing that with me back in 1979 at a, over a dinner in one of my brother's homes, he shared that verse. And, I, and my, my answer to him was, well, I understand what you're saying. My brother, Bob, he definitely needs this because he's a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> and my other brother, you know, uh, you know, he's done a lot of bad things. But now, you know, about the log in I, your own yeah, eye, <laughs> I'm 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 the baby of the family. I don't do those things, you know. And it took probably a half hour for this pastor to keep on visiting that verse over and over. And it's like, Craig, it's like God turned the switch on, and all of a sudden I realized, wow, are you telling me that I'm a sinner? That's what you're telling me. <laughs> And not that I was some self-righteous person. I didn't think that. I knew I had sin. But it wasn't to the extent of people around me as I grew up. So that was my comparison. But when I understood the holiness of God, that he demands absolute holiness, absolute perfection. And there's no way you're ever going to attain that on your own. Then I realized, well, what do I need to do to be saved? That's exactly what I said. And he said, we need to cry out to the Lord. And it was then that I, I basically turned my life over to God and asked him to forgive my sin. And and it wasn't an emotional thing for me. It was more of a matter of fact, like, I need to do this now because I've been trusting in 19 years of something that obviously didn't work. And so when I came to faith in Christ, um, it really gave me a, a fuller understanding of not only my, uh, my own sinfulness, but also my need of a savior and when he saved me you know i can honestly say that i realized that this is something that i don't have to earn this isn't something that i don't have to go through you know uh circumstances in my life trying to earn this hug from god that god is already hugging me and he's hugging me through his son the lord jesus christ and uh sometimes as believers we think well lord you know just give me more love and we forget that the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts. You're not going to get any more love than that. We just have to use what God has already given to us. And, and I think that, you know, in a roundabout way, a lot of Christians today are, are misunderstanding the true nature of the God that saves them. And it, and it definitely impacts their inability to grow as a believer. I think if, if you you know, point out a believer who's struggling in their, in their faith, I'll say, how much do they know about God? Can they name any of the attributes about God? Can they tell me, you know, who they are in Christ? 
because it's very easy in this world in which we live to forget all that because we live in a, a world that's filled with sin. You know, driving across the bridge here, I was reminded we, on this side of the bridge, you know, I had the air air on the vent, and all of a sudden I smelled, you know, what you smell when you come across the bridge. There's kind of that stench, and it reminded me down at Harris Ranch when you're driving along the freeway, oh, yes. and all of a sudden, oh, man, you got to make sure you <laughs> Turn have, the air conditioning and off. And I thought, you know, it's so indicative. We live in a fallen world. We live in a stinky place, and yet so many times as Christians, we, we forget that. My, my brother, one of my brothers, was a farmer growing up. He had a, a farm called Macon Bacon Farms in Pennsylvania, and I went out there for uh, a summer for a couple of weeks. I only lasted a couple of weeks. It was hard work, I'll tell you. But I went out there for a couple of weeks to help him on the farm. And I remember the first day I got there, I thought, man, this place stinks. He said, what do you mean? Well, you're making bacon. What do you yeah. expect? <laughs> and he said, what do you mean it stinks? I go, it smells. He goes, I don't smell anything. And I thought, how can you not smell this? Well, that's where he lived. He was just, that's, that's the, the nature of his life. He lived in, with these stinky animals on this farm. And so that was just something he was you know, used to. And I think as believers, we never want to forget that, you know what, this place we call earth is not our home. You know, we're just passing through. And you know what, as we pass through, sometimes it stinks. And we need to be reminded that, that our God is a holy God. And so, you know, as we, we live this Christian life, we just always need to be growing in our knowledge of who God is because his ways are past our understanding. We're not going to understand them. We're not going to totally fathom who God is or we'd be God. And I think it's that sense of point of reference. One of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of avid scripture reading is because it helps to give us a point of reference. Mm. Uh, for example, your brother would not have smelled the stench of the pigs mm-hmm. and the mess that they live in because he has no other point of reference. Right. If you've not been taken or set apart from all of that to smell the fragrance of a rose right. and now have a point of reference to say, wow, that smells good, this is awful, mm-hmm. how do we know the difference? And I think oftentimes perhaps that's true, too, of our relationship. You suggested that, well, sometimes believers are looking for a bigger hug from God, and maybe perhaps that's out of a lack of real solid point of reference. Yes, they recognize that they've had a life-changing experience. They know who Jesus is. They understand his suffering on the cross on our behalf. But they don't understand the totality of our sin nature, how offensive that is to a holy and righteous God. They don't understand perhaps the totality of the passion of Christ and just what it meant for very God himself to send his son to become sin and die on a tree, pay a price he didn't need to pay, Mm -hmm. he didn't commit the sin, but to take that on our behalf. And I think perhaps it's a time of study in Scripture and maturity in one's relationship with Christ that it isn't the sense that God's love for you grows. Mm-hmm. I think God's love for us was demonstrated we, the day right. he sent Christ to die on the cross. Amen. That is the totality and fullness of his right. love. Right. I think what grows is our slow understanding and appreciation of just what a great salvation we have right. as our point of reference right. begins to grow. And we, we deepen that sense of understanding. Right. Yeah. And that's true. That's, you know, the more we grow in Christ— the more we realize just how sinful we are. You know, there's a wonderful book by uh, John Owen Puritan called The Mortification of Sin. Mm. 
and in that book, we took our men through it at our church. Small book. I'd really encourage people to, to get it and get it online or whatever and, and, and read it. Um, but the one, one of the statements he makes in that book is, sin isn't what we do. It's what we are. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is so true because in the Christian life, we think, well, if we're just doing the right things, <laughs> you know, that we got everybody fooled, right? Um, and, and, you know, sometimes— you and, know, and likewise, salvation isn't what we do. No, it's what he did. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say is sometimes I'll be on an airplane traveling somewhere or whatever, and, you know, the conversation comes up, well, what do you do? And kind of reluctantly, he said, well, you know, I'm a pastor. And, oh, really? You know, and, and so they'll, uh, you know, have a conversation, and they'll say, well, you must be pretty religious then if you're a pastor. I said, no, no, I'm not religious. And I'll say, what do you mean? I said, well, there's a big difference between— knowing who Christ is and having a relationship with God and religion. And they say, well, what's the difference? I said, well, I'll give you two words. Any religion of the world, any religion that man has come up with, it comes down to one word. That word is D-O. It's what you do. I was in a church for 19 years that basically your righteousness was dependent on what you did, okay, so it's, it depends on what you do. And when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not what you do that counts. It's, it's what was D-O-N-E, what was done for you on your behalf. And see, once you understand that, that really encourages your Christian walk and encourages your identity in Christ. It encourages you to uh, more fully live this abundant life that he's called you to live through the power of his spirit because you can never do it on your own. <laughs> So it's kind of an important point to make. Pastor Steve Converse with us today in studio, Senior Pastor at Grace Bible Church. By the way, more information about the ministry available online at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. They meet in Redwood City at 2225 Euclid Avenue, and you can get complete details about the church, the ministry, and the radio program, Graceful Truth, which comes your way Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. Again, the website, gracebibleonline.org. A brief time out, back to more of our conversation with Pastor Stephen Converse right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the program. Pastor Stephen Converse today in studio with us. He, of course, is the senior pastor of Grace Bible Church of Redwood City. Details available on the web, by the way, gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. And we invite you to tune in to his radio ministry, Graceful Truth, that airs Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. Just to pick up the conversation, Pastor, before the break, you get a sense of tremendous relief. You alluded a couple of times to spending almost 20 years in a mainline denominational church where what you did was the driving or determining factor as to how you were in your relationship with God and what God thought of you and your status in heaven or lack thereof. To suddenly make the realization that it's not about religion, it's about relationship, and that the things that we do are simply born out of our love for him. It's not that we have to do things for the Lord, but we get to do things for the Lord, that our work, so to speak, is a byproduct of our salvation and not the other way around. That must have been an amazing revelation for you when you realized, hey, wait a minute, it isn't that I have to do this, I get to do it right. because of what he did for me. Exactly. He loved me as much as he could 
through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And once I acknowledged that, and once I was truly saved, okay, that, as you said, gave me that motivation to serve. And I remember even the, I was saved on a Monday night. I remember I was on spring break and I went back to college and I was an RA in the dorm. And I was sitting at this table where the RAs, the resident uh, helpers, sat at night in case somebody had a problem. And I was sitting there, I was reading this Schofield Bible that this pastor gave me. And people would come up and say, what are you doing, Converse? I said, oh, I'm reading the Bible. You know, I was just like, you know, naive about this whole thing. And, and I started to talk to people about it. And that next Sunday, I didn't have anybody discipling me, but I thought, well, I need to go to church. And so I found a Baptist church there in the area, and I went there. And I walked into the lobby, got there a little early, and this this little old dear lady was folding bulletins. And she was the only one there. And I said, do you need some help? She said, oh, you must be from the college. I said, yeah, I just, you know, I just uh, came to faith last week. Oh, well, you can help me here. And wouldn't you know, by the end of the morning, I'm the one standing at the door handing these bulletins out to people. It was my first day at the church. And, and it was like God just, I just wanted to serve, you know. But it wasn't because I was earning something. Like you said, it was out of gratitude. It was really out of thankfulness. And I think that, you know, I often, you know, you, you say in the, in the, you were saying there, he's the senior pastor. I'm the only pastor at Grace Bible Church. Well, senior, I thought I had to do more with age. <laughs> okay, <that's> all. <laughs> all right, thank you. But, but it's also, uh, it's a church of many ministers. And, you know, uh, being in a, in a smaller church, you know, the one thing you get to see is people just loving the Lord through their ministry. You know, you don't have to beg people to help. You don't have to, you know use guilt to get them involved. They, they want to serve their Lord. Well, and at and the end of the day, isn't, it really, isn't that part of God's plan? I mean, I, I okay. think of that ramshackle group of 12, mm-hmm. that if any of us sat down in an executive hiring committee and said, well, let's look at the resumes, yeah, look at the them. job experience, <laughs> right. and see who's qualified, not a one of them mm-hmm. would have made it past no. the first interview. Right. And yet, to demonstrate just how powerful the gospel message is, apart from the messenger. I mean, I figure God spoke through a burning bush. He spoke through a mule. Um, So, you know, he can use any vehicle he so chooses. And yet out of that ramshackle 12, here we are 2,000 years later talking about the testimony that they gave witness to of who Christ is, what he did on the cross. And so that notion of God's perfect plan of discipleship, and just sharing your faith and joy in Jesus with others, they capturing the vision, repenting, coming to faith, the process repeats. In that regard, then, you shouldn't have to beg people in the church to do something. We should all see ourselves as ministers and disciplers. You're the shepherd. You pour knowledge and understanding of God's Word and help us deepen our walk and our faith and understand more about God's Word so that we're better equipped to do what? To go out and make disciples. Ministry, Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's so true. I mean, you know, you touched on so much there. And I I think it's, it's neat that you see this ragtag group of disciples um, you know, after coming to faith, and, and, and Christ pours himself into him, and then he turns them loose. And, you know, I mean, people back in the day were saying, how are these guys doing this? You know, they're, they're, not, they're not well-versed in this or that or well-educated. And, and yet, you know what? Uh, God used them in, a, in a, an incredible way. And that's the, the thing. When you come to Christ, you realize that it's not you. It's Christ in you, right? The hope of glory. It's Christ using you. You know, growing up in high school uh, as, a, as, a, as a younger man, 
younger guy. I mean, on the first day of school, the teacher asked, you know, you had to stand up and say your name. I mean, I could barely get my name out without turning five shades. Of, I was just very shy, very embarrassed. I'm very, I'm still very shy. But you know what? Once I came to Christ, I realized somehow God's going to use me. I never would have dreamed that every Sunday I'm going to get up and, and teach the Word of God to a group of people. That wouldn't have been even within the realm of possibility, you know, let alone desire back then. And, and so God takes our personalities, he takes our unique gifts, and he molds them together for his glory. And that's what it kind of comes down to. You know, the church is here for his glory. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have forgotten that. So many ministries are there to make their mark on the world. Or, you know, the, and, and God's saying, wait a minute. No, this isn't about you. Well, I've <laughs> it's about me. And, and <laughs> when I was looking at the website, gracebibleonline.org, which, mm-hmm. by the way, you can go to to get more information not only about Pastor Converse's ministry there, the church, and, of course, the radio program, um, I, I caught the distinction on the website. It's not about programs. It's about people. Mm-hmm. And sadly today, I think more and more, maybe out of a sense of of frustration, maybe out of a sense of just misplaced priorities, more and more in the church we're focusing on programs. We think, well, if we just provide the right kind of entertainment, uh, if we can just get the right kind of show going Mm -hmm. to attract people to come in, surely they will then come in and hear the message. And yet it's interesting, if you look at the first century church, if you look at the example of the book of Acts, which I believe is not just a history lesson, but a manual. They just got up and preached sin, salvation, sanctification, Mm -hmm. Christ crucified on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And here, as we said before, 2,000 plus years later, we're still here telling the story. Most marketing experts today looking at this plan (laughs) will look at it and say, this is utterly doomed to failure. I don't give you 15 days before everybody's forgotten this guy even existed. Right. And that's what, you know, when you look at the book of Acts, for example, I mean, you see what the New Testament church did. You know, they came together for fellowship. They came together for prayer. They came together for communion. They came together for the breaking of bread and, and uh, the teaching of the word, right? And, and there's not a whole lot else going on there. But when you stop and you look, who was this church? It was a, it was a group of believers. That's who the church is for. It's for believers, and, and, and unfortunately, we've kind of taken this side road with the modern church growth movement that says, no, 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 we want the church to be all-inclusive. So we want the church on a Sunday morning when we're worshiping together to be inclusive for unbelievers. And unfortunately, it's gone more that way than the other way. And so you have all the entertainment. You have all this stuff going on on a Sunday morning to try to attract unbelievers to a certain place so then the pastor can stand up and give a 10-minute talk. And, and that's not how it was done in the New Testament. Are unbelievers welcome to our church? Definitely. You know, but I would much rather have our people come on a Sunday morning, be equipped and built up and edified in their faith, and then go out to their scope of influence, whatever it might be, and share Christ with people, see those people come to Christ, and then bring them to a place where they can be taught. Somehow we've dropped the ball, and we've diluted the gospel, and we've diluted what happens on a Sunday morning so it's not offensive to anybody. And what happens is you have a big crowd, but it's 
there's nothing going on there spiritually. Well, and doesn't that ultimately also, Pastor, become terribly contradictive to the word in the sense that we're trying to we're trying to soften the blow. Mm. We want to sugarcoat this in such a fashion that nobody will feel offended. And yet, doesn't Scripture tell us that the gospel itself is an offense to the dying man? Yes. When when you're in the presence of of righteousness, of course you're going to have a sense of recoiling. Sure. The truth itself is offensive. You know, um, I had an incident a couple of years ago, or last year actually, uh, I gave an invocation. And some people found that invocation offensive. Okay, to me it was a knee-jerk reaction. Um, but with that being said, you know, when when the news people called me and asked me, well, you know, how could you say such a thing? in this, this invocation. I just basically said that, you know, we live in a country where uh, murder is no longer murder, speaking of the unborn children, and marriage is no longer marriage, speaking of the uh, same-sex marriage. And, uh, you know, they came out of the woodwork on this. And I understand that's kind of a controversial thing to say. It's not the politically correct thing to say. But it's the truth. When you look at the Bible, I mean... That's what that's what the Word of God says, and so when you when you share the truth, sometimes it's not our intention to be offensive, but sometimes the truth itself is offensive. Well, the cross and, itself is an offense, and you also see the the source of that because you can go back and say, "Well, look, this is not me. Mm-hmm. I'm quoting God's word," mm-hmm. and then they counter with, "Well, hath God said?" Yes. And I think, now, where was the first time we heard that line used? <laughs> oh, that's right, in yeah, the Garden of exactly. Eden. Exactly. Yeah. And the enemy has been attempting to challenge God at his word, dilute, mm-hmm. um, distract, divide, and conquer since day one. Yes. And we have a church, unfortunately, today that is highly ineffective spiritually in general. I'm talking the, the, the mainline churches because their their inability to discern truth from error, their inability to understand what the Word of God says, their inability to sit through a message that actually teaches them some doctrine. And and the, the reason is, is that's so important because, I mean, I was in a, a clergy meeting one day, and, and, and we, t- we were supposed to introduce ourselves and tell a little bit about our church. And I said, well, we're a Bible-believing church, so, you know, we, we have a high view of God. We have a high view of his scripture, and, and we teach the word of God. And, and the, the, the woman next to me said, you know, you, you offend me. And I said, excuse me? I mean, I, I didn't do anything, you know. And she said, well, in our church, we don't refer to the higher power as God. In, in a very liberal organization, clearly she was part of. But I thought, wow, this is where we come. And she was part of a, a clergy association. And, and so I thought, you know, this is, this is really the direction that the church has gone, unfortunately. They've diluted the truth. They've diluted the gospel. And they want this kind of big crowd kind of a thing to say, hey, here's what we're doing. And that's not what they did in the New Testament. You know, they, they brought believers together so that they could be built up and edified in their faith. They actually, um, you know... Today, we, it's wonderful to be part of a church when you say, you know what, turn to Romans 11. You actually hear the pages turning, turning mm-hmm. you know, and I've refused for years to put Scripture verses up on the PowerPoint. I use PowerPoint. I like technology. That's, that's fine. But you know what? I refuse to put all the verses up there. There are some churches that do that. 
And it's unfortunate because they're growing an illiterate, a biblically illiterate congregation. People don't know where the books are. They don't know how to find a way around the Bible anymore. And we need to get back to the basics of, of our Christian faith that way uh, so that we can grow more and more and have a, a, a much stronger influence as salt and light in this dying, lost and dying world we live in. Pastor Stephen Converse with us today in studio from Grace Bible Church of Redwood City. More information again about his ministry on the web at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. Brief time out. We'll be back with more as our conversation continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the program. Pastor Stephen Converse with us today, pastor at Grace Bible Church of Redwood City. What time do you guys meet on Sundays? We meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. 10 a.m. Sunday mornings at 2225 Euclid Avenue in Redwood City. They're on the peninsula. You can check them out online at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. Online.org. If you want to sample his preaching, you can always tune in to his weekly radio program, Graceful Truth, heard Sunday afternoons at 3.30 right here on KFAX. It's interesting. You had a recent blog post on the website where you talked about the importance of sound doctrine. Mm. And that really brings us back full circle to this notion that man can bring a lot of thoughts and ideas and marketing approaches to try and repackage somehow the gospel message. But at the end of the day, it's the proclamation of his truth done in grace that's going to impact lives. I think sometimes we forget about the fact that we're not to do the Holy Spirit's job. It is our responsibility to share his truth in love, in grace, and then allow the Holy Spirit to be the one that convicts. It's almost as if we're trying to do the whole deal here for God and think, you know, we're going to just make things easy on God. We'll, uh, we'll get him in, get him to the altar, get it all done, and we won't offend anybody in the process. But that really isn't the gospel message, is it? No, and that's where, that's where we have to be reminded continually because that's where our flesh wants to go. You know, it's just, the easy way out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and we need to be reminded that you know what we live in a, in a lost and dying world, and if if they're going to be helped at all, they're going to be helped with the truth of the gospel. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to, uh, you know, make it uh, palatable for them. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll tell the folks at church, you know, look, um, my 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 task here on a Sunday morning is simply this: I'm a waiter. I bring the Word of God to the table, and hopefully I lay it out in a presentable manner. Um, I'm not trying to mess with the recipe of the food as I'm carrying it to the table. Uh, I'm not, you know, responsible. You like it, you don't. That's, that's between you and the chef, and I'm not the chef. I'm just the waiter. And, and see, people need to be reminded of that. And even as believers go out into this, this world and share the gospel, you know, um, there's no gray areas here. I mean, the message of the gospel is, is rather simple, that, that we're lost in our sin, and, and we need a Savior, and we need to get that message out. And Christ is that, that, that one sacrifice that satisfied the Father for all eternity and is able to step in on our account, take our sins upon himself, and, and pay for those sins in totality. And then give us the opportunity to come to him and accept that, that wonderful gift that he's, he's given us. Uh, I can't think of, I mean, anything more wonderful than the gift of, of salvation for those who believe in him. I mean, it's amazing when you stop and think about it. 
And, you know, you, you, you can't help but be thankful. You can't help but want to serve him more and more and more as you more fully understand who God is and what your relationship and does, with him is based on. Does your sense of God being amazing grow as you understand more about him? And I, and I ask that question because there's a dynamic, I think, that some people believe, well, the more mature I become in Christ, the more I read of Scripture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fully understand and figure out this whole forgiveness grace thing. And, and for me, at least in my experience, um, I understand it. I give mental assent to it, but at the end of the day, for me, God's grace shown toward me, his mercy demonstrated toward me, um, it goes beyond my capacity to understand fully. Right. And I look at it and say, I can't fully describe it, but I can tell you I've experienced it, and I can tell you it gets more amazing as time goes on. Yeah, I'm reminded of, of Romans chapter 11 at the end where, where Paul uh, writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments mm. and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You know, we're not going to totally grasp in our fallen uh, mind as you said before you know he is finite we're infinite we see through he, the glass yeah, darkly. yeah we're finite he's infinite yeah. and, and so it's so important that we understand that and uh you know i think the more we grow in our christian walk and in, in, in our christian relationship um in our in our sanctification the more we realize just how much more we need him every moment mm. you know i mean there's some believers that believe the more you mature you know the more righteous you become um and and that may be true but i also am totally aware of just how unrighteous i am and, and, and the at more, the very core and, and toward that end i think the more we get to understand him the more we should be compelled to cling to the cross mm. and and you go from gazing at it from afar to standing up close to being at the base of it looking up at him to finally just wrapping your arms right. around it, right. realizing that short of that cross, there is no salvation. There is no answer. There right. is no way out of this mess. Right. So narrow it down for me. Make it easy. Yes. Point me the way. Let me know how I need to respond. Yes. And I'll head down that path. Yeah. So uh, by God's grace, this is not many paths, many ways, multiple no. choice. No. It's easy. It's basic. And I think theologically, when you really step back and you realize that even if, if God were to give us the choices, we couldn't make the right one. No, we would not. Right? So it's God setting his love upon us. That's why we're saved. We're not saved because we woke up one day and said, I think I'll try this Christ thing. No, it, the Bible says that, you know, we love him only because he loved us, what, first? First. Let's mention about the church. Again, sure. we, uh, we talked about the fact that you're ministering there on the peninsula, in Redwood yep. City, 2225 Euclid Avenue. And uh, it's a growing congregation, and it's a changing face of the peninsula, yeah. getting more and more diverse day by day. Yes. Yeah, we have uh, uh, people that go to our church who have their backgrounds from Egypt, India, um, uh, Mexico. Um, you know, we have a very diverse congregation. Um, and it's it's it, it's kind of fun to allow it just happen the way God uh, has has allowed it to happen because um, you know you realize that in Christ 
there are no divisions. There are no, you know, we're, we're focused as the body of Christ on one thing, you know, hopefully bringing glory to uh, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, each, each time we gather. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm just so thankful to be a pastor who's able to serve in a church where they're hungry for the word of God. You know, um, I mean, our, our service starts at 10, and usually if you show up, it's I'm usually the only one in a tie. You know, thank you, wife. You know, she makes, <laughs> ma- you well, makes me. She? Yeah, she does. I'm colorblind, so she lays the stuff out, and I put it on. You know, there's a couple of Sundays usually I'm, I'm not with a tie in the summer if it's hot, but or she's out of town maybe. But for the most part, but I'm the only one usually. There's, you know, it's kind of casual dress. and uh, But we usually do about a half hour of music, and, and the music is an entertainment. You know, I lead the worship team every Sunday. Uh, myself from the piano and and it's it's all about exalting the lord jesus christ and we'll sing some hymns uh we'll sing some of the newer choruses and for us it's the message of the the, the songs it's not so much the um the tempo or what it's, style uh, it is a you know. pastor friend of mine says it's not the beat it's the meat amen amen <laughs> so you know after about a half hour of music 10:30, you know we'll start teaching the children are dismissed to their sunday school classes they're in there with the worship uh, so we worship together as families, but then they're dismissed to their classes, and we have nursery care that's provided as well. Um, but then we'll, we'll open up the Bible, and we'll literally go through a section of Scripture. So we take our time, but I'm so thankful to be in a church where they're hungry for the Word. They're not rushing me. They're not, you know, wow, you went too long or whatever. And usually the messages are 45, 55 minutes, As long as they like don't that. fall out the window. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, that's that's true, you know. But uh, And then after that, like I said, we—, we uh, um, have a, a time of fellowship afterwards where you get to meet and meet some of the new people and it, it's encouraging to be part of of this um, of this congregation and uh, you know back when I was I had been a youth pastor for about 15 years and I was uh, the last I was in three churches and the last church I was in was down in uh, uh, Indio California the desert as a Calvary Chapel I was there for two years and realized after two years it probably wasn't a good good meet, uh, you know, a good match. And so uh, I kind of agreed to kind of step down and uh, I went to work for the uh, Riverside County District Attorney's Office as an investigative technician. And so I got to use some of my criminology there. And I remember when this church reached out to me during that time, they sent me a letter of invitation saying, hey, we'd like to talk to you about possibly coming up here and pastoring this church. And um, the letter came in the mail, and I was having so much fun with the DA's office. You know, I had a car, I had a badge, and I, just, I was just living my dream kind of. And I thought, you know, I don't know. I mean, I knew I was called to ministry, but right now I'm just having too much fun. And I let that letter sit on the uh, countertop for about three days. And my wife said, aren't you going to open that? I mean, come on. And I said, Redwood City, where's that? You know, I and I, I remember going there as a youth pastor uh, for some Marine Marine World used to be there. And so we used to take kids there. But I said, ah, not really, you know. And she said, you know, I've been praying about this ever since it came in the mail. And I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think that's the church we're going to end up at. And I'm like, you're nuts, you know. <laughs> I just, lo and behold, she was right. And we went about through about nine months of interviews with this small little church who basically was at a point where they were – uh, there were two years without a pastor. I came out of a hard time with the previous pastor, and we're even praying about possibly just selling the whole facilities and and uh, to give it to missions. But they thought, you know what, we'll try it, give it one more shot. And um, and this was my first teaching pastorate, and and so uh, been there since 1998, so almost 19 years. 
just kind of faithfully plugging away. <laughs> and you still kind of, uh, as we're wrapping up our time uh, together here, I'll mention you still kind of dabble at a distance with the, your background in, in criminology. We mentioned that you would study there at the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You serve as a chaplain with the Redwood City Police Department. Yes, yeah, still a chaplain with the Redwood City Police Department. And at a and, critical time. Yes, oh yes. What's going definitely. on in law yeah, enforcement yeah. these days, very critical. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we provide a, a wonderful service there. We actually have about, I think it's eight chaplains. Four of us are kind of in-house with the PD themselves. And I've been doing that for 19 years since I've been there, and even before that down at the sheriff's office down in, in uh, Riverside County as well. But, uh, yeah, our, our law enforcement definitely needs our support and our prayers. Every day they go out there, they put their life on the line, and we're living in a society that's uh, just very, very dangerous. So. Yeah, well, sin abounds, but where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. Pastor, we appreciate you coming in and sharing today. I'll mention again that uh, you can tune in to Graceful Truth. The broadcast comes your way Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. If you are new to the Bay Area or in search of a good, solid, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church home, we invite you to check out Grace Bible Church, 2225 Euclid Avenue in Redwood City. Again, details available on the web at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. Or you can call them directly at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Pastor Stephen Converse from Grace Bible Church of Redwood City, thanks for dropping by. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.